Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of adenomyosis from the reproductive section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 35-year-old woman with a long history of heavy menses and cramps presents with progressively worsening symptoms over the course of a few months. She has also gained weight. During the interview, she asked about the use of hormonal contraception. On physical exam, the uterus was enlarged, smooth, boggy, and tender. She elected to treat with hormonal contraceptives to preserve fertility instead of undergoing hysterectomy. So this is a case of adenomyosis. Let's now get into the episode. Let's start with a brief introduction about adenomyosis. Adenomyosis is the invasion of endometrial glands into the uterine myometrium. With regards to its pathogenesis, the cause of adenomyosis is largely unknown, but it is thought that it is due to hyperplasia of the basalis layer of the endometrium. In terms of the epidemiology, adenomyosis typically occurs in women ages 35 to 50. In terms of associated conditions of adenomyosis, it often coexists with other uterine diseases such as leiomyomas and endometriosis. Now let's get into the clinical presentation including symptoms and physical exam findings of adenomyosis. With respect to symptoms, the main symptoms are dysmenorrhea and menorrhagia. On physical exam, you'll notice a uterus that is uniformly smooth, large, soft, globular, boggy, and tender. Now let's get into the diagnostic evaluation of adenomyosis. The initial test to order in a patient with enlarged uterus is beta-HCG and the diagnosis is based on clinical history and exam. Imaging modalities include sonogram, which would show diffusely enlarged uterus with some cystic areas within the myometrium. A definitive diagnosis can be made with hysterectomy and histology. In terms of the differential diagnosis, the three main differentials that should be a part of your list are leiomyoma, pregnancy, and endometrial polyp. Now let's get into the treatment modalities of adenomyosis. Symptomatic treatment for dysmenorrhea include hormonal contraceptives such as levonorgestrel releasing intrauterine contraception. And when fertility is no longer needed or there's a failure of medical management, you would do a hysterectomy. And in terms of complications, there's controversial evidence linking adenomyosis with infertility. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 42-year-old G3P2O12 woman comes to the clinic complaining of painful menstruation for the past four months. She is also using more tampons compared to prior periods. She is concerned as her close friend was just diagnosed with endometrial cancer. Prior to these symptoms, her menstrual cycle was regular every 28 days and without pain. She denies abnormal uterine bleeding, abnormal discharge, past sexually transmitted diseases, or spotting. A bimanual pelvic examination is unremarkable except for a mobile, diffusely enlarged, globular uterus. What is the most likely explanation for this patient's symptoms? 1 abnormal endometrial gland proliferation at the endometrium, 2. benign smooth muscle tumor within the uterine wall, 3. collection of endometrial tissue protruding into the uterine cavity, 4. invasion of endometrial glands into the myometrium, or 5. 
non-neoplastic endometrial tissue outside of the endometrial cavity. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 4, invasion of the endometrial glands into the myometrium. This patient has adenomyosis, marked by the symptoms of dysmenorrhea, menorrhagia, and large boggy uterus, which is due to invasion of endometrial glands into the myometrium. Remember, adenomyosis is a disorder characterized by the presence of endometrial glands and stroma within the myometrium, which appears to induce hypertrophy and hyperplasia of the surrounding myometrium. As a result, patients have a diffusely enlarged uterus. Other clinical presentations include heavy menstrual bleeding, dysmenorrhea, and chronic pelvic pain. Symptoms are typically reported to develop between 40 to 50 years of age. It is worth noting that most cases are diagnosed during hysterectomies, and the diagnosis is confirmed via histopathology. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1 abnormal endometrial gland proliferation at the endometrium describes endometrial hyperplasia, which is usually caused by excess estrogen stimulation. Patients usually present with postmenopausal vaginal bleeding, whereas this patient is premenopausal. Answer choice 2, benign smooth muscle tumor within the uterine wall describes leomyoma or fibroids. This is a common condition, especially in African Americans. However, a bimanual examination would demonstrate distinct growths within the uterus instead of a diffusely enlarged uterus. Answer choice 3. Collection of endometrial tissue protruding into the uterine cavity describes polyps, which is a common cause of painless abnormal uterine bleeding. And finally, answer choice 5, non-neoplastic endometrial tissue outside of the endometrial cavity describes endometriosis. Patients often complain of cyclic pelvic pain, bleeding, dyspareunia, and dyskesia. In summary, adenomyosis is due to the invasion of endometrial glands into the myometrium. Next question. A 43-year-old woman presents to her gynecologist with complaints of several months of heavy menstrual bleeding. She states that in the last several months, she has noticed that her menses have lasted up to seven days from her normal five days, and she has required several more pads every month. She endorses worsening pain with her menses as well. She denies pain with intercourse. She states that she has had no other changes, and she is not pregnant. She is currently not sexually active and has a history of two full-term spontaneous vaginal deliveries, both over 15 years ago. On exam, her temperature is 98.4 degrees Fahrenheit or 36.9 degrees Celsius, blood pressure is 118 over 68 millimeters of mercury, pulse is 68 per minute, and respirations are 12 per minute. The patient demonstrates an enlarged uterus that is soft and mobile. There are no palpable masses. A urine chorionic gonadotropin test demonstrates no pregnancy. The patient's hemoglobin is 10.0 grams per deciliter. Which of the following best describes the pathologic process? 1. Endometrial thickening with increased gland-to-stroma ratio. 2. Extrauterine endometrial tissue. 3. Extrauterine implantation of embryo. 4. Monoclonal tumors of myometrial fibroblasts and smooth muscle. Or 5. Thickened myometrium with areas of endometrial proliferation. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 5, 
thickened myometrium with areas of endometrial proliferation. A patient with menorrhagia, dysmenorrhea, and a mobile enlarged soft uterus likely has uterine adenomyosis characterized by a thickened myometrium with areas of endometrial proliferation. Remember, adenomyosis is a process that occurs when endometrial tissue is present in the myometrial layer of the uterus. Endometrial proliferation results in growth and thickening of the myometrium, which presents as heavier menstrual flow, possible associated dysmenorrhea, and anemia resulting from blood loss. Patients will demonstrate an enlarged and boggy or soft uterus that is mobile. Adenomyosis may occur diffusely in the uterus or more focally as an adenomyoma. The etiology of adenomyosis is unknown but may be due to hormonal signals that cause invagination of endometrial tissue into the myometrium. Adenomyosis is not thought to be related to endometriosis. On imaging, adenomyosis may be seen as asymmetric thickening of the myometrium or as myometrial cysts. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, endometrial thickening with increased gland-to-stroma ratio describes endometrial hyperplasia. This can be a precancerous condition where there is an increase in the amount of glandular tissue compared to stroma, usually greater than 50%. This most often presents as abnormal uterine bleeding or may be seen as abnormal cytology for cervical cancer screening. These patients do not typically have an enlarged or tender uterus. Answer choice two, extrauterine endometrial tissue is characteristic of endometriosis, where endometrial glands and stroma are found in sites outside of the uterine cavity. The most common sites are in the ovaries, anterior and posterior cul-de-sac, and pelvic ligaments, but can also be found in the abdominal or pleural cavities. Endometriosis results in estrogen-dependent inflammation that causes dysmenorrhea, dyspareunia, infertility, and scarring. Tissue biopsy is used to confirm the diagnosis. Endometriosis may result in a fixed uterus, while adenomyosis maintains a mobile uterus. Answer choice 3. Extrauterine implantation of the embryo describes an ectopic pregnancy, wherein the embryo implants outside of the uterus, most commonly in the fallopian tube. An ectopic pregnancy may result in first trimester uterine bleeding, but this is not to be mistaken with abnormal uterine bleeding. This patient has a negative pregnancy test, and her symptoms and exam are more consistent with adenomyosis. And finally, answer choice 4, monoclonal tumors of myometrial fibroblasts and smooth muscle refer to leiomyomas, often known as fibroids. These tumors are the most common pelvic tumor and can result in abnormal uterine bleeding and pelvic pain as an adenomyosis. Leiomyomas may result in an enlarged uterus, but the enlargement in adenomyosis tends to be more diffuse. Leomyomas are separated by myometrium by a pseudocapsule, while adenomyomas are not. Ultrasound can facilitate differentiation of leomyomas from adenomyosis. In summary, adenomyosis is due to endometrial proliferation in the myometrium and results in menorrhagia, dysmenorrhea, and a soft, boggy, mobile uterus on exam. And that's all for this review about adenomyosis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. 
Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.